Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi, folks. It's Dr. Jeffrey Roth here, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we're back at it. How about that? Yeah, live from the office. Yes, we're at the office uh, where we usually go to, uh, Mark Chinook's uh, The Space, still under construction. And uh, if you've ever had a construction project, you always know that it takes more time and more money uh, than you (laughs) would expect it to. So hopefully we'll get back into the friendly confines uh, down there soon. Yeah, that's a great studio. Um, But the office works and this is convenient. So we had a kind of a slower day and we decided to go ahead and do this and talk about some important subjects. I think the topic we chose to talk about today was transgender surgery, and that's become a hot topic these it ha- days. It has become for a variety of issues, and and this has been around for a while. Uh, and then, as the listeners know, as I did my plastic surgery training up in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, and of course, uh, they rotated us to all these different hospitals, uh, including San Francisco General and then, and others that we get exposed to to all this. And then later I went to LA and then came back to Las Vegas. It was an interesting time because back then it was around the year 2000. And a lot of these folks that wanted to uh, change sides is they had these programs, mostly at Stanford. And uh, they found that those folks that go through, say, the St. Louis Protocol, which basically is living like the other side for a year and taking the hormones and, and change your name and really and having a lot of good psychiatric background really helps them uh, for the long run. And so there was a, a criteria and there was lots of hoops you have to jump through, et cetera, et cetera. But once everybody kind of signed off on things, then you were able to qualify for gender reassignment surgery. And so first of all, what does that sort of entail? Uh, one, obviously it's a huge commitment, et cetera, et cetera. But physiologically wise, uh, it's usually done with plastic surgery, uh, sometimes urology or urologic surgery, sometimes OBGYN. So there's a few folks that really have taken an interest in that and have worked with other specialties to try to make this as as good a surgery as as you can. Um, So first of all, there's uh, going from uh, male to female, which basically is um, going ahead and taking the the penis down, doing a penectomy. Now you have extra skin. So it's a little bit easier because you have something to work with. Then you take the skin and do a flap and basically make a you know vagina out of that. Um, and so that's kind of how that works. Now that's part of it. The other part of it is, is okay. You know, we have the, you know, the sexual organ down um, but what about the secondary sexual characteristics? Uh, so number one is is facial feminization surgery, which was really kind of made famous by Dr. Do- uh, Douglas Osterhout, who's uh, retired now in the Bay Area. And um, what he would do is basically uh, he would advance the hairline. He would reduce the frontal bossing, which is that kind of ridge you have on the uh, eyebrows. Uh, Schwarzenegger, you know, has that. So think think him. Making the forehead smaller, rounder, rhinoplasty. Uh, shortening up the uh, upper lip, uh, narrowing the jaw, and uh, reducing the Adam's apple. And so he would do that, never advertised, and you couldn't get into him for like a year, year and a half. And his office was down in the Castro area, which if anybody knows San Francisco was kind of the gay and lesbian uh, area down there. And um, and so these folks would come in and he would would do this uh, surgery. Uh, interesting thing on uh, Dr. Osterhout, he actually lived in Mrs. Doubtfire's house. Uh, and so people are always taking pictures of the house. So he would be in there, you know, 
making uh, breakfast in the morning and people be taking pictures in the house. So <laughs> he was he was a, he's an interesting cat. Um, so and in, in I looked it up in 2006, there was only 12 surgeons in the United States uh, doing femoral feminization surgery, and now more and more are doing that as this is becoming a more popular uh, thing and people are talking about it, uh, uh, talking about it more. So that's that part. And then of course, breast augmentation, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So where we really were exposed to it is, is with Dr. Osterhout and, and on the peninsula, but then also we took care of some of the uh, complications of folks that went away to say Thailand and just paid a bunch of money and didn't jump through all the hoops and everything else like that. Uh, and then of course, we being plastic surgery were uh, called upon to take care of wounds and et cetera. And a lot of these people had wound infections and all that sort of thing. But also just talking to these folks, it's it was kind of apparent that they really did need a, a support system. And those folks that had a support system and then had a psychological counseling, et cetera, et cetera, you know, just kind of did better. Yeah, they had uh, the best outcome. Right. So, that, so that's that part. And then there, the other way is, is um, female to male, which basically is a little harder because now you're trying to make something out of uh, nothing. And as much as, so now you have to create some rotation of flaps and take tissue from one place and put it to another and uh, try to make things as functional as you can. Uh, and so that can be very, uh, very delicate, very tricky, uh, challenging uh, surgery. And so there's that characteristic. And then the second characteristics would be, okay, now it, for facial stuff, what do you do? Well, do you go ahead and make folks look a little bit more masculine. And yes, you go backwards with that. And do you put in frontal bossing, do certain things? And yes, that's possible. And then what's become a more popular, if you want to call it a surgery, is top surgery, where basically you do a uh, mastectomy, which we surgeons and plaster insurgents have been involved with forever for breast cancers and, and other diseases. But in this case, uh, we're doing the mastectomy and then uh, keeping the skin. Uh, and then now you have extra skin. So then you do a um, mastopexy, uh, which you go ahead and you tuck things up and make things look nice, et cetera. And uh, very interesting lectures of, you know, where's the nipple supposed to go and in females versus males, et cetera. So so people really are looking into this and there's more and more centers that are doing it. So it's not just the Bay Area or right. the- well, What would be some of the that? common, I would assume LA, New York. Yeah. So yeah. So basically the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, of course, New York, Los Angeles, Miami, that sort of thing. But here in Vegas and uh, now, uh, there's a, a couple of guys, Dr. Brosius, so sh shout out to him. That's doing a lot of these. Uh, that, is, that is doing the actual transgender surgery, and then it also is uh, doing the uh, secondary uh, surgery uh, as well. So he's taken a, a interest in that and has been getting some very uh, good results. And is uh, a service that is being provided here now in Las Vegas. What do you think is is male to female or or female to male? Which is the more common? Oh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's still a new kind of still a new yeah, so, area in a way. In a way. So yeah, so it's been technically around for a while, but I think there's been some lately been significantly renewed interest and especially after, you know, Chris Jenner and, and right. all that kind of stuff being cool. the public face of of that sort of thing, people are one actually talking about it and then uh, two those people are coming forward and saying, "Oh, hey, can I change sides?" and if so, you know, how can I look more feminine or more masculine or, or that sort of thing? Um, so I think it's, I think it's all very, very fascinating uh, from a, um, a psychosocial viewpoint, as well as a, a physiologic viewpoint, of course, a, a, an anatomical uh, surgical uh, viewpoint. So I, I think it's, I think that part of medicine is fascinating. And, 
it really shows that medicine can uh, adapt and can change and sometimes turn on a dime. Yeah, and update with the times and what. Yeah. And, and there is an element of, of uh, you know, like you said, because of celebrities coming out, people that are very in the public eye, way more so than maybe 10 years ago, sure. that's really brought the subject to the forefront. Sure. So, yeah. So, again, as to your point, people are talking about it uh, more. And when you do that, and there's dialogue and discourse, uh, hopefully there is um, research that goes along with this to back it up and to basically, you know, serve the population, you know, the best you can and mm-hmm. to get the best results for your uh, your patient, just like um, any area in medicine. Right. And so, you know, the psychological aspect of that um I mean, it's obviously a big topic, but even in just plastic surgery in general for you, I know you like to assess where people are coming from, also create realistic expectations sure. of the possible outcome. So maybe talk a little bit about that just in plastic surgery in general. Sure. So yeah, the, the key to plastic, in my opinion, is is really realistic uh, expectations. My brother says, well, you know, he's a surgeon, he's not a wizard, you know, and, and we all chuckle at that. But yeah, people aren't not made of uh, clay or wood. And, and so, yes, you you know, you do the best you can. And you I think most of us think well, we're artists and we have an aesthetic eye. And then we try to apply that with a human tissue and especially reconstructive uh, guys and gals when they're moving flaps around or they're reconstructing from trauma or cancer or disease or whatever the thing is, is it's nice to have that aside to go with the physiology as well. Uh, so, but for me, I like to have a, a nice conversation with the patient and kind of say, okay, well, kind of what's the motivation? And then really sit down and talk to them and say, okay, well, what do you really expect to get out of this operation? And no, it won't bring your husband back. No, it won't bring the boyfriend back. It's really for you right. and really kind of how is this going to make you, you know, kind of feel better. And some are, you know, more um, more clear than others, uh, like, you know, the 16-year-old, 17-year-old with um, ears that stick out and you and do an otoplasty and they're where they're supposed to be and then they're very happy and then they can go play sports and stuff like that. That's right. that's kind of like the Hollywood. Some other things are a little bit more The Hollywood, the Hollywood right. moment, right. Uh, pretty clear. And then others are a lot more subtle uh, or may have more layers uh, to them uh, as well. But again, the the oh, and then the whole idea is, is I'm I try to be as honest as I can. I'll go, no, you're going to have a scar, you know. Yes, it's going to be about here. Uh, it may be red, you know, uh, you know, for a while. And folks in this day and age, you know, they want stuff when they want it now. Uh, and I try to get away from the oh yeah, you know, come in uh, Friday for your drive-through operation. You'll be back at work, uh, you know, as a, a, a longshoreman on Monday. Right. So that yeah. Yeah, that you know, it's still surgery and the body's going to heal up um, the way it's going to heal up. And so we try to give good estimates. We try to inform and uh, educate as, as much as we can. And I think that the folks that have the realistic expectations, they have researched this. They don't get caught up in a lot of the Instagram or TikTok stuff uh, per se, uh, although there is some good information on there, but they've researched it more and just go, well, wait a minute. I've seen you know, a lot of befores and afters and yeah, it's it's not all you know, gorgeous. Sometimes, you know, things will make a little bit of a left term. The The key is to to say, well, hey, this is real surgery. Yes, I'm going to have to put my ducks in a row. Yes, I'm going to have to take some time off work. Yes, I'm going to have to keep them out of the sun. Yes, I'm going to have to uh, not smoke and, and, you know, do other things to try to get the best outcome. So on the topic of transgender medicine in general, who are some of the leaders in that field that you've come in contact with? Or I, I guess there's always a lot of research ongoing and how to approach different topics. And 
Yeah. So nowadays they're really starting to recognize that as a um, less of a niche, more of a branch of uh, of medicine, yeah. uh, and they're now doing uh, longitudinal research studies on it, et cetera. And, and mostly it's the big centers as we talked about, right? It's uh, your ones in the Bay Area, your Stanford, your UCSFs, it's uh, your USC, UCLA's, it's you know your uh, ones on the East Coast, uh, your, your NYU's, your Columbia's, and that sort of thing. At least that's what I've seen sort of papers come out of. Having said that, I think most major centers now have a um, what kind of what's going on and, and what the demand uh, might be for that. And I, I think we're going to see more and more centers come up. For example, the one here in Las Vegas, um, and it didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. It didn't really exist five years ago. Uh, but I think that there's more demand. And I think that some folks are really taking an interest in that and are really looking forward to serving that element of the population. And again, we, we serve different populations, et cetera, et cetera, depending on where we live and, and where the university center, we had a trauma center or we um, in suburbia, whatever the case. And I think these, these folks, the ones that I've run into have really kind of dedicated themselves mm. uh, uh, to this. And yeah, it's become a specialty for them. And yeah. And, and, uh, and my prediction is, is more and more we'll actually see some fellowships, you know, pop up. Uh, because it's complex surgery, and right. yes, you're trained to do all those sorts of things in in plastic surgery. You're you're trained to uh, swing flaps, and you're trained to make uh, uh, tissue out of uh, nothing, uh, and you're trained to go ahead and uh, cover things that you would uh, put in, uh, whether it is uh, implant devices for breast reconstruction or whether it's expander implants to move tissue around. Uh, or prostheses, or whatever the case may be. So you have all the tools. Yeah. The next then you tend to specialize in a certain area. Is how to yeah. you know apply them. And uh, and the other thing is is best practices. And that's one of those things that I enjoy with meetings. Is just you meet other guys and gals like you, and you mostly have the same struggles. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what I always enjoyed was frankly lunch. Uh, because not for the box lunch that they give you, uh, but for the usually- <laughs> The conversations. Yeah, there's usually, yeah. you know, I'm from Vegas, there's usually a guy from New York, there's a guy from Miami, there's a guy from Brazil. And one of the guys will, and gals will say, well, what did you think of that last lecture? And one guy says, oh, it's great. And the other guy says, well, it stinks. And well, the other guy says, well, I used to be his fellow and he doesn't do it this way anymore. And that's where I think you really kind of learn stuff because they're like, no, 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 I tried that five ways. This is the way, you know, that I do it mm -hmm. now. And I think that the more conversation, uh, the better for, and then adopt the best practices like anything right, else. Right, because there's textbook and then there's real world yeah, application. Right. right. And the textbook usually runs a, a few years behind the innovation. The, well, the yeah. innovation, and then you write a papers about it, and then the papers get published. And then after that, then you get a collection of papers, and then you write chapters you know, from there. So there's a little bit of a lag time. That has really sort of gone away with the advent of this thing called the internet and with all the other And the internet is good because there's good information and there's bad information. So then it's right. their, your job as a consumer which you are in that situation still to, to do your research and to. Sure. So, yeah. So, so with that is, is basically you, you want to go to the best sources that you can and the folks that are actually doing the cutting edge stuff and listening to those folks or, and I don't, 
and again, if there's something I don't understand, or if I read in a book, I will call the guy or I'll email the guy or gal and just go, hey, I just went ahead and wrote your book, blah, 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 and I have a question about X. And most of the time, they're usually pretty good about that because usually there'll be two or three people that'll have that same question. So the next edition of the book or the next paper or whatever, they'll address that. Science, excuse me, is always evolving and especially in plastic surgery, um, it's always evolving. And um, so you really try to be on top of things best you can. Right. Yeah. And, and technology is changing. And Sure. Um, and I'm looking forward now that hopefully the pandemic is over uh, the best we can. And we're getting back to the new normal, whatever that might be, is to actually have those in-person uh, events. So there's actually a table and folks sitting around a table mm -hmm. and everything else. Because it was you know fun a little bit uh, or at least more convenient to do it via Zoom and everything, but it's just different. And yeah, it's, it's just it's, having the interaction, yeah. and then yeah. So that's uh, that's always a uh, for me that was that was always a, a fun part. But I think to your point with the transgender stuff, I think there's going to be transgender medicine as well as transgender surgery, and I think that's going to make its, its own niche or branch. I think of uh, of medicine as well. Um, what would be your suggestion for people that are are interested in, in that topic that want to do research? What would be the best place do you think for them to go? Sure. the The first thing is 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 most of your board certified plastic surgeons will know something about this, and if they don't know, they will say, you know, I don't know, but Doctor whomever it might be X over the university is doing this now, and they usually are able to kind of guide you in the right direction. Uh, other places to go uh, are. Uh, the uh, ASPS um, folks, they- It's American uh, Society of Plastic, Plastic Surgeons. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and they, the umbrella organization uh, for academic as well as um, private uh, folks, but they basically will kind of know and they're all board certified plastic surgeons and they should be able to direct you in that area uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's a great organization that we've had a lot of uh, interaction with. Sure. So, and then ASAP's also the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. Uh, they too, they're all board certified um, plastic surgeons and uh, they specialize more in the aesthetic side uh, of things. But I think those two organizations are, I think, are very good starting points uh, for that. Um, and then, yeah, again, typically the, the university programs will usually uh, have somebody that knows something about that, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's great. Because we want you to get the good, reliable information. And, and that's super important. That's a part of the reason why we're here and why we're doing what we do is because we want to we create that pathway to get good information. Absolutely. So yeah. So, so if you have questions, ask them. Uh, we try to demystify plastic surgery as much as we can. And with the show or whether it's people call in the office. I mean, dark rooms are scary because they're dark and you don't know what's in them, but you turn on the light. No, it's a desk and a chair. It's no big deal. So we try best we can to demystify plastic surgery and surgery and medicine in general. And that understanding, most people understand, they go, oh, okay, now I understand why I, I'm doing that. Oh, now I understand why they don't want me, you know, eating a chili reino, you know, three hours before surgery. Okay, now I understand. Uh, and with that, I think then people understand the process. And I think then they will have, to your point, more reasonable expectations and I think better outcomes. Yeah, and, and just feel comfortable with the information, which is uh, very important. How can people find you online? Sure. So uh, the cornerstone of uh, our online presence is the website, uh, which is www.jjoffmd.com. Uh, and they're all also all over social media, as you know. Uh, we are on um, uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook. 
uh, and uh, YouTube and all of those sorts of things. And so uh, go look for us there as well. And if you find something that uh, you really dig, uh, let us know. And if you find something that really you don't dig, let us know. And if you find uh, typos, uh, let us know. And then <laughs> if uh, also, if you have a topic uh, like this one, which may be a bit out of the ordinary that we haven't covered yet, by all means, ask the questions. We love questions. Uh, and if I don't know something, I will say, I don't know. And, and then I will find out or I'll call a guy or gal that knows more about that particular uh, part of plastic surgery or medicine or surgery that I don't know about. And I'll try to get you the best answer I can figure out. Yeah. And I think that's great. And that's, that's part of the reason why, again, we're on this mission with this podcast is disseminate good quality information. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Please make sure to follow and like and subscribe to our show. And we appreciate you taking a, a moment of your time to listen. Thank you so much. We'll see you again really soon. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.